I loved your idea about doing a separate podcast just about the mistakes we've made. <laughs> I think I'd, I would I would definitely be your co-host on that one. You're listening to Rambling Realtors with Andrew Roach and Ross Bridges. Tune in each week for in-depth conversations on all the latest real estate trends and the thriving West End GTA markets. Go beyond the real estate world as Andrew and Ross share personal and professional experiences to help you find your way home. I know you do quite a bit when it comes to uh, stocks and uh, other things as well, too. And I thought one of the things that we're, we're seeing, you know, we're, we're towards the end of our uh, pandemic journey. Hopefully things are going to be coming a lot more. We're looking for normalcy. Um, you know, what I've really, I got my second shot now, feel like you you were going golfing with some buddies last week, things are starting, starting to open up. Right. Um, but like one of the things I thought we could talk about would be like finding opportunity in times of uncertainty. You know, we've seen some crazy kind of trends and some things that would got accelerated from COVID, even though a lot of things felt like they were completely put on pause for the better part of a couple of years. There's also a lot of things that we know now are going to get accelerated, right? So I thought we could talk about uh, what's going on with the, the trends and the activity in Canadian Ontario real estate. And then we could also talk about some companies that we're really seeing that are, uh, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of the game because of they got to take advantage of, uh, you know, being in the pandemic. Yeah, well, I mean, there's... You know, no matter what the situation, if there, if, if if you know one one sector or one party or you know whatever, if if, if there's something that's suffering, there's opportunity somewhere else, right? It's 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 a pendulum. It's the um, I don't know what those things. It's, you know, the old the old scales, right? When one comes down, the other the other side's going up, so to speak, right? So, you know, like like you were just kind of touching on whether it's. Um, whether it's a stock market or it's companies, right? That you might trade. I mean, let's look here. We're, you know, we're recording on Zoom right now. Uh, yeah. Zoom exploded exactly. in uh, in COVID, you know. And so, you know, one one has to then argue to say, you know, if it exploded when everything was locked down, when everything frees back up again, will it still be as dominant in as dominant a position? I would say likely not, right? Um, you know, online, like online shipping and all that kind of stuff. Right. I, I think that entire, like our entire society has been kind of like moving towards that as it is anyways. I think that we, you know, you did get some spikes in some, in some of the, like the Amazon and all that kind of stuff. Um, other online shipping companies, um, you know, FedEx. I mean, if you just, if you, I mean, if you look at the stock market, if you just look at, you know, what the, where the S&P 500 was a year ago, of course, this would have been the bottom almost uh, from, from the, the, the big catastrophic drop that we had, the huge sell-off. But we have not only reached that previous level, but, you know, surpassed it on a, on a grand scale. Um, you know, so you look at like FedEx and all that kind of stuff or any shipping companies. Yeah, they, they exploded over, over the last year as well, you know, but um as things open up and, and as trends change or evolve, maybe might be a better word, you know, necessarily just a straight up change, uh, you know, they'll different opportunities will present themselves. Right. There's, there's been the argument many times about everybody moving out of the GTA because you can work from home. Right. 
there is an argument to be made that once everything opens back up again, that yeah, there will be some some positions that'll be like, okay, you can continue to work from home. And some might say, okay, you can work from home for two or three days a week. But I, I have to think that there's gonna be a majority of companies that are gonna say, okay, we tried that for a while. We really need to kind of bring it back into, you know, face-to-face, -face, you know, um, you know, again, it's something to be said about being around people or being around your team and not just being, you know, on a Zoom call with, with someone. There's that that idle chit chat that, um, you know, just, just you know, just chatting, uh, talking about something, something over, someone overhears that ideas, you know, blossom, you know, from that, right? I, I think that 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 companies or or industries or whatever, you know, might miss some of that, that, you know, that team camaraderie and, and um, you know, that meshing, so to speak, where if, if everybody is, is virtual, right? You look at companies uh, like Google, for example, right? In terms of how they've changed the infrastructure of their businesses, where they've created it, such a fun, all-encompassing, state-of-the-art building where you can do a little bit of everything, right? And I think we're going to see that become a little bit more urbanized, like, you know, more in the city, we're seeing like companies like Staples that are creating more of these workspaces where you can go, you can get out of your house, go down the street, and you have a place to work. And I think we're going to see that trend where you got a gym there, you got your cafeteria, you have that all encompassing. So like, you know, it's designed companies like Google, you're there and you're there all day, all night, you can go for a nap, you can come back to work, you can kind of have that all. So I think and we're going to see that in um in condo living as well too where there's going to be designed areas where you can go and work uh you can work out you can play you can eat and i think that we're going to see that landscape change um you know big big things that i think will potentially happen is there's i see a big turnover happening in commercial in the next year or two where with commercial buildings there could be a lot of opportunity where a lot of these businesses potentially go out and you know we're seeing like things like ghost kitchens that are happening, but why not um, come like buildings get, get retrofitted into smaller designs of what you and I were just talking about, right? Because who the heck doesn't, they want to get out of the house. They want to go and socialize and have that lifestyle. And it could be a work live or it could be a live work, right? It could be somewhere you could go and work and you could have that all encompassing and within that community, or it could be that's your, that's your home. Right, And you can go downstairs and you can work and the efficiency. I think one of the things that we've seen more now than ever is efficiency, right? We're seeing less travel time. We're seeing more work getting done um, for some people. I mean, there's a lot of distractions. You've gone through it with having being being you're, you're a teacher now, too, right? You're doing a lot with your children. I'm seeing my brother in law, who, who's like an incredible worker, who's now has the dynamic of he's got four little boys running around while he's trying to keep himself mentally sane, right? So there's, yeah. that, there's that balance. You need to go and like what you said, you're plugging in with your team and you know, you're know you using all of those powers of that camaraderie of, of the, that, that ability to brainstorm and get on the same page to, to better, better your company, to better your work, to be visionaries. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that you know, with everybody moving out of the GTA, um, you know, we might see, you know, the pendulum swing back again. You may see people coming, okay, you know, the, you know, the commute is too big now because I thought I could work from home for more often. 
Um, some people will be okay with that, right? Because, you know, there's something to be said about like kind of it's a quality of life, if you will, right? Maybe not for the for the commuter that's now commuting three hours a day round trip or more. Um, but, you know, for the kids, uh, having a big yard, being able to ride their bikes around, you know, um, having some, you know, discretionary spending money uh, because your mortgage is smaller or, I mean, we've had uh, probably a couple handfuls of clients this year that are that are now mortgage free, right? Or very close to it, very close to it, right? Like they were, their goal was mortgage free. Now they got to carry a hundred grand, but you know, a lot of them are in their late thirties, early forties, you know, and be to be mortgage free. That, that's, that's huge. Right. So, you know, they may stick around and it's just like, okay, well, that's just, that's the price, the price to pay. Uh, or they may say, listen, I don't really want to do this anymore. Let's grab a let's grab another mortgage and move back into the city, right? So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. And of course, it's not going to be, you know, all or nothing. It's not going to be everyone either stays or everyone goes. There's going to be some people that come and go wherever, right? But you know, you you touched on the condo, like kind of like workspace. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been building those, you know, for a couple of years now, where a, a condo building will have. Um, like meeting room workstations, little cubicles kind of like built in and, and you can like, uh, I guess I'm going to say rent them out, but like a um, reserve them is the word I was trying to say, you know, be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to reserve a workstation. Right. And you have like a meeting room or you have, you know, like these little quiet cubicle kind of things where you can get out of your condo unit. So it feels like you're going to work and you're not working on your bed. Um, you know, I think you just need that kind of like that change of scenery to be like, mentally i have now gone to work right um and, and i love those like the idea of those like shared workspaces especially for like people like our kind of industry right um real estate or mortgage brokers or uh insurance brokers or people that don't necessarily like they're independent salespeople, um but you don't necessarily have an office per se right now we do have an office um at our brokerage but it's not big enough for all of us and nor does it need to be big enough for all of us because we're not always there all the time right um so it's it's there but I, I love the idea of that kind of shared workspace right you might see the same people all the time and then you know it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the innovation center ideas that you know uh milton has a has an, has an innovation center uh, mcmaster or uh hamilton has a, an innovation center where you're getting you know, you're getting people from similar kind of industries or backgrounds or whatever, but not identical. And there's some collaboration that ends up happening, right? Because again, you end up just, you know, chatting with somebody in the lunchroom. Um, they're over here. Hey, what are you doing? What are you working? Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's what I'm doing. Hey, what would be cool if we did this together? Right. And that, that happens. That's the whole idea. Right. And so I, I love that idea. I love the idea of, of doing these shared workspaces and Kind of that gives people a place to go, um, you know, meet with clients if you have to for a meet with a meeting room. Uh, have a have a designated spot you can rent rent a place for like maybe five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, whatever the case may be. You know, I think I think it's cool, I, I, and I really wish there was there was more of them. I think there's opportunity for more of them, but heck, real estate prices are ridiculous. No, I <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, I think we're gonna see it. We're gonna see. An opportunity now, like I mentioned with commercial real estate, where some brilliant companies, I think, are going to be able to do some retrofit designs and supply and demand. What is highly in demand right now? So that is one industry curve. And we've already seen it on larger scales. You know, they could make it smaller scales and kind of 
I could see something where that becoming very, very popular in, in Toronto in, in major cities like Hamilton, uh, you know, Milton, Oakville, Burlington, maybe as we see a little bit more expansion. Um, but, you know, I think the one industry in real estate, and I, even though we are residential real estate agents and we don't talk about it a lot, that I have seen flourish the most during the pandemic has been light industrial, industrial real estate. It has gone through the roof. <clears throat> and I mean, let's face it, storage demand, you're looking at these companies like, like Amazon, right? We, they are looking for space. They are looking for space and the demand for that has just been astronomical. So it's, uh, there's tremendous, tremendous opportunity for that. So if we're looking for, uh, I mean, and let's face it, we, you and I have both seen residential real estate skyrocket through the pandemic. I had clients that lost out on a home, uh, 11 offers that came in South Burlington, you know, so much for our law we were talking about, well over 300,000 over list, right? So you're, and, I, and it was priced pretty good. It was priced pretty well, like right? Pretty it wasn't priced like, like only 200,000 under, under market value, anticipated market value. Maybe 150 under value, right? Like it was listed at one five and it was probably like in my eyes, like fair market value was a little over one six. Um, but the driving markets and the demand, right? Um, you're seeing it, the demand for entering into beautiful communities like South Burlington and getting into Burlington, getting into Milton or Oakville. Uh, it's the demand, right? So, but light industrial, um, you know, industrial, I think that, that that space where people are looking for the warehouses, they're looking for the outdoor storage, it has just gone on on a tear. Not necessarily something that you and I face on the every, every regular day, uh, our, our dealings with our clients, but something that's just being off bonkers, off the charts. Yeah, I mean, well, Milton's been dealing with that for... I don't know, like a decade, I would say, right? Like it's it seems to us, and there's there's some there's some grumblings in our community about how like nothing else is being built other than light industrial, right? And of course, you know, I guess the the town can't really come along to somebody and say, oh, you bought that land, no, you can't buy that. You know, they can work with zoning, etc. But you know, you know, we would love to see you know you know jobs created locally rather than just like some low income fork you know forklift drivers. Uh, you know, take, you know, this massive building and you're only hiring, you know, 50 people uh, instead of it being like, you know, a smaller building, more, more uh, density, et cetera, and, and hiring some good high paying jobs. But I mean, it seems like that's all they're doing around here is just building light industrial storage space, you know, et cetera. Right. So there's, there's tons uh, up here. Um, and it just seems like, Every day, there's a new building going up, a new building going up, and then it's for lease, and then bam, it's gone. Somebody comes in and, and leases the whole thing or half of it, whatever, right? So, um, th yeah, there's, there's, that's, it, that's around. And, and again, it's, it kind of goes with, you know, again, we're, we're not going to really focus in on this, but you're talking about just how things kind of change, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, that's something that you're into. You just kind of look for the zoning, look for the opportunities. Naturally, you're going to be want, we're going to want to be close to, um, you know, uh, or 400 series highways, so you can move the product in and out pretty, uh, pretty easily and efficiently, right? Yeah, and I don't see it as much down um, Oakville Burlington Way. There are a bunch of places just off the QEW, off the service roads, uh, that you'll see where there's the demand. But I mean, as the expansion of Milton, as it goes out towards the 401, and there's a lot more uh, open land. You know, of, of course, there's going to be tremendous opportunity with like what we've talked about before with transportation, with the expansion of the 401, right? So 
that does make sense for that. It's easy routes off of many highways. But as we're here talking about, you know, finding opportunity in the face of uncertainty, there is um, there is a lot of, of opportunity, even though as we see prices skyrocket, we're definitely seeing all these trends that are are relating back to real estate and uh, changing the uh, the landscape of, of how we do like not only how we live our lives, but of, of how um, businesses are exploding. Right. So. Yeah. So and we talked, you know. Uh, on some other some other um, show a little bit about you know investment real estate et cetera right like a, a lot a lot of people reaching out right now saying you know okay I want to buy an investment property you know and, and whether that's because their the value of their house has gone up substantially so now they have access to the down payment mm -hmm. um, or because they've seen the big run up of prices and they're like hey I want I you know if only I had a thought that could, how much money I could have made right again I would cautious. I would caution, um, you know, buying at the top, uh, unless it's a long-term uh, plan for you, right? And 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 do your best to to buy for cash flow. But there's some other. In fact, I'm staring at a duplex uh, on my screen right now that I was looking. I just sent to a client of mine that's been on the market for, let me tell you, 37 days. Okay. Right. Um, there's some good cash flow there. Now the thing is, it needs a little bit of work. Uh, the, you know, the agent probably didn't didn't uh, play that game properly. Uh, it's tough with tenants, especially two tenants to work around both of their schedule to allow showings and 24 hours notice and all that kind of stuff, right? This will be in Cambridge. In Cambridge, yeah. Good value in Cambridge for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, one of the gripes that I find about KWC is like, you know, in Milton, you know, during this whole, this whole kind of pandemic thing, the, the, the big, the big workup uh, of prices this year in 2021 is that, it was pretty common to, you know, for agents to list the house 100,000 under under market value, right? 100, 120, sometimes 150, but you know, that was you could see those ones, the outliers that were just listed way way lower, right? But it was pretty common to be 100,000. Man in 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 KWC right now, they're listing like 200,000 under market value. That was challenging, right? I've got a I've got a couple of buyers that are first-time buyers got a tight budget trying to get into the market and you know you're seeing stuff listed at, at 375 and they're like oh look, look, look at this one what are this one? i'm like sorry guys that's going to be close that's going to be close to six if not six twenty, right like it, it's challenging it's you know so property you're talking about in cambridge though i mean <clears throat> just get perspective for potential investors out there when as realtors, if, when a property is tenanted, we we know right away that it's almost like in our heads instinctively we're like, oh, this is, this could very easily become more difficult to sell, right? So depending on your client and their objective, if they want to sell it quickly, it's not like we're going to be necessarily, um, you know, th there's more opportunity there because it's typically you don't see as many showings. Uh, you're finding like typically they're just like, I just want it to be priced accordingly. Um, so the, I find like homes like that where they're tenanted, whether they're multiplexes or just your single dwelling, I think that there is more opportunity to be had than, than a vacant home where you can get lots and lots of people through or a family home where, you know, people know they, they can't be in the house during the showing. So typically I would see tenanted properties. There's a little bit more opportunity. 
Yeah, um, it can it can be challenging uh, both ways uh, for the you know for the seller and for the buyer to try to get access. Um, it can be if it can be it can be difficult for a buyer. You have to go in with a different kind of lens on, right? Because a lot of times buyers, especially if they're looking for themselves, if it's tentative, if it's a single family home that's tentative and they're looking for themselves, they're going in and they're, you know, you're, you're buying with your emotions. And we almost always buy with our emotions. And, and, and we always try to, you know, coach our clients on, you know, putting your emotions in check because when it's all staged and pretty and everything like that, and you fall in love with it, when you move in, it's going to be a vacant house. It's going to be walls, flooring, and a kitchen, right? Like, so don't get too excited about how pretty it is. But that being said, we're emotional creatures, right? So when you're walking into a property that's that's tenanted, you are an inconvenience to that tenant. You are putting them out. Usually they're there. Usually it's just it's not as clean. It's not as capped. You're just like you're just you're an inconvenience, right? So it's awkward for the buyer to walk in and the house isn't kind of like all done up and pretty and there's dishes and stuff like that. And it's even more awkward when the tenant's there. And they're like, you know, they're sitting in the living room being like, they're staring at you, right? Or just like, I'm just going to watch some TV here, right? And all you want to do is get out of that room. And then you're like, you walk upstairs and you're like, okay, thank you very much. Bye. Right. And you, you never emotionally, uh, uh, you know, connect with the house. So if you are buying an investment property, or sorry, if you're buying that as your single family house, you know, or uh, personal residence is what I was trying to say. You walk in with, you know, the expectation that it's not going to be as pretty. Let's look at the, the layout. Let's look at the size of their furniture in comparison to your furniture. Let's look at the finishings, right, etc. Paint we can do afterwards, no problem. You can change out some floorings or what's the condition of the floorings, etc. Do you like the layout, etc. Right? Because, but to your point, you get a good opportunity there, right? But some sellers are like they see that the neighbor just sold for you know, uh, you know, a million bucks. And they're like, well, I want a million bucks too. And I'll sit on the market for, you know, 37 days or, you know, 78 days and just wait. Right. You know, sometimes the sellers, if they're, they're not in a hurry either, right? Like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll sell it. Right. But flipping gears a little bit, if you're buying that as an investment property, do you really care? You should be buying your buying as an investment property is you're running the numbers. Right. What are these numbers like? And, you know, th then there's the old adage, you know, cash for keys. Right. So you can't kick a tenant out. But um, if you say you know, I'm going to buy the property, you can ask for vac vacant possession, see if you can negotiate that. If, if, if the sellers will will buy the, uh, the tenants out um, or if uh, you, you know, you walk in there and you say, you know, you, you assume the tenants, you say, hey, listen, I'm thinking about renovating this unit. I'd like to renovate the unit. You know, I'm looking at this unit. It's listed at uh, it's renting for just a little over eleven hundred dollars. Um, I would say on the low side, market market rents for that would be thirteen, right? So probably, but maybe even thirteen, fourteen, potentially even fifteen if it was stunning, right? So there's opportunities there, right? So you might say, listen, I will pay you. I'll give you your last month's free, and I'll give you an extra month's free to you know if you leave. I'll pay your first month's rent at your next house. Kind of thing, right? So you're paying them out, but long term it makes sense because yeah, you're going to eat a few thousand bucks up front, but you get them out, and now you can boost rent by three, four hundred dollars a month. I'm getting an N nine form signed so that you know that they're actually going to move out, right? No, I mean going back to it, it's a business transaction, right? So at the end of the day, 
we want to make sure our clients feel very comfortable going through the home, incredibly emotion, emotional, but we want to try and take emotion out of the equation so that we can focus on seeing the business trends. And there's nothing more distracting than, you know, we, we say eliminate certain pictures and certain things in the homes that are completely distraction. But what's more distracting than a tenant in the home, right? It creates, uh, it makes it very awkward. And, and, you know, now some people can be very accommodating. They can go wait in the backyard. They can make sure they're getting out of the way. And you're, you don't feel like you want to feel like it, even when you tell your clients outside, oh, there's, there's going to be people inside. Instinctively, they're like, oh, man, like yeah. it, you, they don't get that opportunity because it, it is something you want that privacy. You want that chance to go through and explore and visualize yourself and, and not feel rushed and not feel like you're being, you know, uh, you know, gawked at throughout the whole process of, of seeing this is the home for you. But you know, for an investor, you can look past that. You can say, yeah, this is fine. Maybe I've got built-in tenants. Maybe this is going to give me more opportunity. And, and it turns a lot of people off. So for the for the right consumer, there's great opportunity there. Yeah, for sure. It all depends on what you're looking for, right? Um, whether it's an investment property, again, you know, focus on cash flow, uh, not necessarily the, the pro, you know, the, the, the uh, how nice the property looks and makes you feel. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, again, if you're looking for yourself, you know, look for those outliers, right? Like I've been, when I'm looking for the people that have a tight budget, you know, I'm doing a search for, you know, the things that have been on the market for a week or more, because I know that there's still, you know, easily half to three quarters of listings are holding offers still. Right. So, you know, if, if it's, if their budget's 600,000 and it's listed at 575, well, I know that it's going to it's going to go into competition. Well, I shouldn't say I know, but it's a very good chance it's going to be in competition and it's going to go over it's going to go over their budget, right? So, just looking at stuff and and you know, there's a lot more. There's a lot more stuff, right? But at the same time, sellers aren't being like, "Oh, okay, well, it's not on the market. I'm just going to or I didn't sell it in multiples on offer day. I'm just going to dump it." Um, a lot of them are listing low, they don't get offers and then they just relist up where they think it should sell and then they'll sit on the market for, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks until somebody comes along and says, okay, they negotiate, right? But we're not seeing, we're not seeing that big kind of like drop off, right? Numbers are still kind of creeping up. I think we're just, I think buyers are maybe a little bit done with the multiple offers or just being a little bit more patient potentially, right? Yeah, and I mean, the sad reality is, is that home prices will continue to continue to climb this year. Like, I think they could go up anywhere from another five to ten percent. Uh, we had some clients that were looking at, uh, you know, uh, pre-construction homes, and a lot of those have been flying off the shelves, right? So I think like the which which fuels the resale market. Um, construction is down because of COVID. Put some, uh, you know, put some kind of hold on on some of the builders so they haven't had the freedom that they wanted to do so we're kind of seeing it all encompassing where there's there's there is more uh demand right now for resale because of lack of pre-construction because of lack of future construction that's gonna it's just taking a little bit longer we all know during COVID, everything's taking a little bit longer to kind of get things in place right so uh what is driving our market you and i talked about it like uh several times we're gonna see the millennials that are going to continue to drive our market. We're going to continue to see uh, immigration, you know, people that have already been in our country for a few years, ready to buy their excited about their opportunity to buy their new home yeah. or what we're going to see as we talked about uh, in the big, the big smoke in, in Toronto, where we're going to have a lot um, of new uh, immigrants coming into the country that are going to be fueling the rental market. They're going to be, 
moving into these condos and that's going to create uh, a surge for that condo market. So we're definitely not seeing things slowing down right now. Right. And you and I have talked about that. We're in a very strong market right now and it's going to continue. Maybe not as crazy as we've seen it, but it's still pretty crazy out there. It's still pretty crazy. You're right. I mean, I joked about this. Uh, I don't know if I was joking it with you or somebody else. And I was like, you know, okay, so we're not Mach 3 anymore. We're Mach 1, but we're still going pretty darn fast. <laughs> yeah. it, seems, it seems like it's slowing down. And yeah, it is, but it's still, you know, it's, uh, we're still, we're, the market is still, still very strong. It's still very strong. And, and, and at the end of the day, interest rates are, are still very low. And, you know, we haven't had the effects of the stress test really kind of like play out just yet. Um, from what I'm seeing, buyers have just adjusted. Maybe they were already putting, they were already qualified ahead of time, or they were already putting enough down, or they were already smart about uh, their ratios and, you know, their their price point didn't change, their budget, budget didn't change because, you know, um, like, I mean, so I've got some clients here that have, you know, they're from the, from right from the get-go, they were qualified at 650, 660, right? Um, but they were looking at 580. 590. The highest they went was 600, right? So the stress test didn't affect them at all because they're still buying in their in their comfort zone, not at their limit, right? And so I think there's still, um, you know, I, th I think there's probably a handful of those. And you know what, millennials are, are, I think, maybe more educated and smarter than than we were, right? I mean, I know that I went, I went all out when I bought my first house. Now that was, you know, a story between Lisa and I, because I grew up moving every four years and she she had one house her entire childhood, right? So we, I had the assumption that we were going to buy a starter home and then we we're going to move and then we we're going to move and then we we're going to move and then we we're going to move. And then I find out as we're home hunting that she's like, no, I don't, this is going to be a forever home. I'm like, what? So I'm like, well, I need the double car garage and I need the, you know, I need the finished basement and da, 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 da. so we bought a five bedroom, two car garage, 2,800 square foot house for two of us, right? So yeah, we pushed the limits and uh, you know beyond our comfort zone so that we could get into the housing market. Now, lo and behold, seven years later, we move. Um, but took you that long to convince her, eh? Uh, well, she wanted a pool because she reminisced her about her childhood growing up. Uh, her grandparents had a pool, right? And I wanted more space, just like everybody else, right? Just like every other young family in Milton, anyways, that are you know buying a house with these little postage stamp um backyards and you know we had three kids and so then there's not really much to do in the backyard you can't have a pool you couldn't really have a trampoline or any toys back there you can't really ride your bikes you know do anything really in the backyard so inevitably it was it was in the front yard it was on the sidewalk and then there's cars driving by and you're nervous and you know and then you're like you can't just you know any if anytime they want to play okay, I got to go and sit on the front porch and watch them, right? In the backyard, you can at least kind of like have the door open and you can kind of like, you know, do some stuff in the house as they kind of like played in the backyard. You're not doing that in the front yard, right? So I wanted more yards. She wanted a pool. We moved. That's the way it worked. I know I talked to a few mortgage specialists over the last week. And I mean, one of the questions we like just in, in conversation is, have you seen the stress test affecting the markets? Like, have you seen any changes because of the stress test? And I, I think you said it perfectly there. If you've been budgeting and you're good with your money and you had a plan and you knew exactly where you're going to be, then it's not really affecting you, right? It's for people that are trying to extend themselves to that fullest extent 
And then all of a sudden they're like, no, but I think for, for certain people that are like this, now's our opportunity. Now's our chance. There's been a lot of people waiting on the sideline and no, I don't, I don't think we're seeing that what we thought it would potentially do where it would maybe calm down the markets. Yeah. There's a lot of people that can only afford up to a certain threshold, but they still want a house, right? So like you said, interest rates are incredibly low. So we're, we're still seeing a lot of people wanting to enter into the market. And as we're getting into the dog days, uh, a summer right here, um, you know, and, and then it's the inventory question, you know, is, are we going to see a huge influx of homes coming on the market? Who knows, right? It depends on segments. We've talked about segments in the market too. So what can we anticipate in certain pockets of Oakville, Burlington, Milton, uh, you know, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, what can we anticipate in those certain areas? Like there's huge demand in certain areas, typically driven by, you know, location where in terms of how their commute's going to look or the, the pools, uh, sorry, the schools, the parks, all of those things that are really, really driving it. So yeah, we're really, that continued demand is, is there. All, all of that. Um, it's, it's the, the interest rates are, are low. It's the, it's, it's, uh, immigration that, uh, you know, whether the immigration was down from, you know, typical years still happened through COVID. Uh, we still brought in immigrants, uh, you know, hundred thousand or a couple hundred thousand, uh, in 2020, 2021, last year, whatever. Um, you know, but, but more importantly, the, the people that have been here for, you know, three years before that are now ready to buy a house. Right. Um, millennials, all that kind of stuff. Right. So there's, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's just lots, there's lots going on, right. There's lots, uh, lots of demand still. Um, and, and then the, and then the COVID, uh, restrictions on, on supply, right. Um, like you said, everything slowed down. Um, you said that a lot of people are buying, uh, new builds. Um, I was watching, I was flipping through uh, Facebook the other day and, and, uh, a friend of mine posted, um, a uh, like a, on her story of it was an email that she got from her builder that had um that she had bought and they were delayed substantially uh in phase one and she bought phase two right so phase one was delayed substantially because of covid and now phase two will also be delayed because phase one was back to not going to start start phase two until they finish phase one you know and it, you know it's a bit of a domino effect right and so i think as as we um I'm hoping that as as shots as vaccinations you know get around and things open back up again, that bottleneck of the supply chain uh, will ease, right? And and manufacturing lumber will come down because you'll be able to get more transportation, et cetera, right? Like hope, hoping that that all of that will kind of like open up and we'll get a little bit more of a free flow, um, you know, happening, right? So I don't know. I, time will tell. Big time. Big time. Well, you know, um, I was also on when we started this episode, I thought a cool thing to talk about would be some of the trends that we're seeing with all businesses. We talked, we mentioned on Zoom and I'm thinking, you know what, we could save this for our next episode, leave a little bit of a teaser. We, uh, we've got a couple of uh, guests that we're going to be bringing on in our next handful of episodes. We're pretty excited about that. Um, and I think we could go on to talk for our next episodes about the trends and some of the things that we're seeing with who have been the big winners, uh, not as much maybe real estate related, but some of the big businesses that we've seen that have been big winners um, throughout COVID. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's tons of them. And, and, and like I said, that pendulum could swing, right? It, it, you know, uh, it could be from 
you know, they were big winners. And, and now that everything is starting to open back up again, uh, you're going to see the sell-off, right? You, they were like Zoom sh shot up, uh, Spotify shot up. Um, there's a bunch of companies that just oh, took wow. off. I did crazy. Yeah. yeah. I just took off, right? And, and then they started uh, to ease off, right? So uh, we'll see. And, and, and inflation, we'll see how that works, right? You know, following uh, the 20-year treasury, right? Uh, that's the, the ticker on that is TLT. Um, you know, that's as, as you look as, you know, if you think of like the bond yields, et cetera, um, ultimately if I, you know, if, if, if they're going to give me like one and a half percent as an example, right. And I'm going to give them, you know, money and, and they're going to give me one and a half percent per year. But if inflation's at 2%, then I'm losing money. Right. So then mm -hmm. I'm going to sell that off. Right. I don't, I don't want that. And then the price of that's going to go down so that the yield goes higher so that I'm making, 2% are making two and a half percent because if I was to buy it at a hundred bucks and they're going to give me a dollar 50, if I buy it at $80 and I still get a hundred, I still get a dollar 50, that yield is higher. Right. So, you know, you watch that. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about inflation protection investing right now. Uh, a lot, a lot going on in the energies, um, green energies, even just natural gas, like all the kind of like, think about like inflation protection, uh, type investments that you're going to want to probably be moving into. Don't forget that everyone, like every country around the globe, for the most part, has been printing money like crazy. And we're now in the fiat system since the 70s, right? It's not backed by gold. It's not backed by anything other than um, the, 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 the people's uh, confidence in, in that particular government's uh, ability to repay that debt, right? So... You know, if everyone's printing money, um, you know, inev inevitably it's going to start at the top. It ends up going to the richest people first because they have the uh, they have the business sense and they have they own the companies and all that kind of stuff. But they start spending it and it trickles down to the middle class. And that's when we're going to start to see uh, that inflation, I think. Right. So uh, keep keep an eye on it. Uh, energy inflation in Canada went up, um, had a big had a big jump, mostly driven by energy. Uh, given that we are a large energy uh, exporter, um, but you know, watch that in the other stuff as well, right? And I think one last thing to touch on too is uh, you know what we talk about uncertainty is in terms of the cons like the consumer confidence right now. Uh, there are <laughs> we we are hearing rumors of new taxes that are going to be um, targeting um, you know seniors typically in terms of their higher um, higher earnings and being able to disperse and to, to, to uh, pass their money forward. Maybe it's on to children and so on and so forth. So we're definitely seeing uh, the government is looking at creative ways to, to have new forms of taxes. So uh, I don't think that's gonna do anything good for consumer confidence when there's uncertainty, uh, you know, starting at the top with their, you know, the, our forefathers, uh, the generation where they're they're holding on to their money for security and now the government's going to be implementing more taxes so that that's a little bit scary yeah that's what we need more taxes right 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 i remember what i was going to say earlier it was it was rent it was rent prices right we were talking oh. about we were talking about you know the drive for for housing right when 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 renting a house costs you more, substantially more than the, your mortgage would, would be. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have the down payment, that's another thing. 
you know, reach out to uh, to Ross or I. Uh, we've got great connections with mortgage brokers. Uh, if you don't have the down payment, there's a, there are programs in place for borrowed down payments, all that kind of stuff. So um, if that's a concern of yours, like, hey, I'd love to get in the housing market. I just haven't saved the down payment yet. There are programs for that. So uh, reach out. But what I was going to say is like, you know, if if you're, you know, I mean, I'm going to talk Milton numbers here because uh, this, that's my bread and butter. But if if you're looking at like, you know, $3,000, $3,500 a month to rent a house, right? I mean, your your mortgage payment uh, would probably only be like $2,500, like depending on, you know, again, what what you bought, whatever, right? But that's the other thing about it is, is the, if the alternative is is renting and it costs you an arm and a leg, then naturally there's going to be a, a there's going to be a big big driver to uh, to get into to get a house, right? Um, I I think that that it, it doesn't make sense to me to rent. I, there there I know there's a whole bunch of people that sold off when this market went crazy and I thought I'm going to rent for a couple of years. Yeah, and th that worked in 2017. Um, some people got lucky. Some people timed it perfectly. Some people didn't time it perfectly, but it worked out for them, depending on when they got back in the market, if they got back in the market, because they were expecting an even bigger drop. There's one thing that's certain, and it's whether it's the real estate market or the stock market, trying to time the top or trying to time the bottom is nearly impossible. And the only time, like you've said it before, Ross, the only time you're going to know is when you look back at the data and say, okay, that's when the top was, or that's when the bottom was. Right. So just to compliment what you're saying, too, and I'm, this would probably work more up in, in, in your market, like Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, maybe not as much Milton. Um, I was fortunate enough to convert my basement into a rental apartment. But there's and we talked about this in our investment series. There's tremendous opportunity if you're creative out there where you can convert um, either a semi detached, detached, potentially a townhome. And you can get, um, you know, get some rental income from your from your basement, and you're you're not going to be able to find anywhere cheaper to to live if you're if you're being creative with that regard. Um, so that's a really really good option for anyone out there. Maybe it's your second home, and you've got some equity. Uh, it's your first home, like Andrew just said. I think that was brilliant of you to bring up. Is there are these programs right now where they can be assisting with down payment? So government uh, funded programs that are out there to assist people. Um, so let's let's take advantage of it while that opportunity is there. And, and it's actually not even always government assisted necessarily, unless you're talking about like being like uh, insured by CMHC. But there's there's programs where you can either borrow the down payment as long as that down payment fits within your your debt service ratios, or there's cash back mortgages, right? And yes, the interest is going to be higher. Like it, nothing's for free. But don't forget, we are in ridiculously low interest rates right now, right? So if you got to pick up a mortgage at three and a half percent, and and all your friends have it at one and a half percent or two and a half percent or two percent, sorry, is what I would say, and you're thinking like you're getting you're getting hammered, it, it's it's still like basically free money. If in front if inflation is around two two point one two point two percent, and you're only paying three and a half percent, I think more about the fact that you got a house and. You didn't have to put any of your own money into it, right? Rather than what your interest rate is going to be, right? I mean, it wasn't too long ago that interest rates, uh, the average five year uh, was, you know, 379, 389, 399. That was only a few years ago, right? And, you know, people loved it. They were like, oh my God, my interest rate's only 3.7%. 3 
That's crazy. Look at how cheap it is, right? It's kind of it's kind of like you you know it's how fast things are going, you know, and it pulls back, and you think it's you know it's still going fast. You think it's it's slowed down. It's still going crazy fast. You think of interest rates of how low they are now. When they rise, like oh my god, interest rates are so high. No, it's just that interest rates were just ridiculously low for too long. No, and we talked about the stress test a little bit. If you're feeling a little bit more aggressive, then maybe you're going to be looking at that variable interest rate versus if you're feeling, if you're more conservative and you're worried about what, what things you're going to be doing over the next three, four, five years, yeah, sure, get a fixed uh, fixed interest rate. But the reality is, is there's a huge opportunity right now with interest, like, like we talked about in one of our last episodes, 10 years ago, we talked about how huge a, a, a discount mortgages were at three, three and a half, four percent, four and a half percent. You know, let's go back into the 80s. People were 16, 17, 20 percent for uh, for their mortgages. Right. And they're, they're telling us, like, I remember when I had my mortgage at 18 percent. And now you're telling me you can get a mortgage for well under two percent. Well, you know, take advantage and, and ride that wave. And if anything, you're just going to build some strong equity for for a handful of years, right? Whether it's two years or five years, that's that's your call. Yeah, and, and that's a good point too about like the building equity thing, right? Like, you know, I would I would say like Lisa and I bumped up our our payments, um, you know, so that our amortization ends up coming down substantially. So you just we take it took advantage of the prepayment privileges, right? So you can boost your your payments by a certain percentage and put lump sum payments down. Um, sometimes you, the intention to put a lump sum payment is, is there, but when it comes down to it, you've kind of forgot to save and you spent it on something else. But when you increase your payments by a percentage, like 20%, um, on a regular basis and it just comes out, yeah, it's kind of your core savings, right? So while interest rates are ridiculously low, any additional payments we put on it is a hundred percent towards the principal, right? When interest rates are a little bit higher, a portion of your of your payment goes to interest, a portion of your payment goes to principal. So, you know, I'd be, you know, doing your best to pay off your your mortgage now when interest rates are really low and more of your payment is going towards principal versus going towards interest, right? Those days of, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20% interest, you know, probably half of the payment was going towards interest alone and nothing was coming off of your your principal. Mind oh. you, I mean your 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 you bought the house for probably only like $220,000, but, but even still, I mean, there was, there was an argument to be made um, a, a few years ago of, of even though prices are crazy high right now, the cost of living is actually cheaper than when you bought a $170,000 or, or a $250,000 home in the eighties because of where the interest rates were, right? The, the, the amount of payment that came out of your pocket uh, was was a lot higher then, even though the prices were a lot a lot lower, right? So, you know, like you said, take advantage of of these low interest rates on on multiple fronts, and not just being able to buy the biggest house that you can, but uh, being smart with with uh, with your money and, and paying that back. And for first time buyers, like honestly, clean up your finances, pay off your car debts, do whatever you got to do to have your best credit rating. And for existing homeowners. There are some very creative ways if your mortgages are coming due or you're looking at refinancing uh, ways of being creative for maximizing, getting more equity to buy another property. Uh, look into your options for getting a larger home equity line of credit. 
um, you know, and take advantage of, of the low, low rates now while you can, if you're looking at getting a second home. I think there's some tremendous opportunity right now. And maybe you could give some insight with your, your background and uh, obviously being up in mortgages. What are a couple creative ways that you can think outside the box for, you know, other than what we talked about with some of what the banks are offering for, you know, being able to find some money for down payments. What are some other creative ways that we can all think outside, uh, like along the lines of what I was talking with refinances, home equity, line of credits, uh, foundmoney.com. Where, where are we going to find some additional money to, uh, to put down on some, some homes? Well, I guess it depends on what bank of mom and dad is not, maybe not open. So, right. I guess it depends on what, what the goal of, of the property is. Right. Um, one thing that I wish that I had have done, when we bought our first house. Um, and some of the things that I've, you know, told uh, a lot of first time buyers, um, uh, you know, past clients or just people that I've chatted with is on your first home, buy a duplex. Right. If you're used to living in the basement apartment of someone's house or you're used to living in a tiny condo, um, one thing I, I'm not a very patient person and I've I've never been a patient person and I wish that I had is and I, I would I would pass that along. Be patient. Right. If you're 20, I don't know, 20 something, 25, even even 28, buy a con buy a duplex, live in the smallest unit, rent the biggest unit for a couple of years. Then maybe switch, or if you can, you know, when the time comes, when it's when it's uh, um, uh, when the property is appreciated, and maybe you save some money or you refinance it to go and buy your, you know, your your personal home, you keep the duplex, right? And and that's something that I wish that I had have done, or you know, or done, or just repeated. Okay, I buy a duplex. I, I live in the smallest one for a couple of years. And then I buy a then I buy a triplex, and then I live in one of those units for a couple of years, right? And then you know I just would have repeated that, and until I got to the point where I had uh, kids and I needed the extra space. But like I said, I shared with you, like you know, Lisa and I had had different ideas about what our home was going to look like, and we didn't we didn't talk about that nearly enough. We didn't have long discussions. We didn't talk about if if this then that kind of thing. Uh, we kind of just were like, hey, we're going to buy a house. I went in with my expectations. She went in with her expectations. And it wasn't until um, we were, oh, geez, I don't know, like a month or so into looking for houses that it came up that um, we had we had different expectations about what this house was going to be for us. And, and right. you were both realtors representing yourselves. You didn't have that. No, 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 no. no. That was well before we got. No, well before we got into real estate ourselves. Okay. I was. Uh, she was a massage therapist. I was working at Toronto Hydro. Okay, cool. Um, so and then I bought her first house, and then I quit Toronto Hydro uh, and became a mortgage broker. Um, so that's something you do: buy your first house and then quit your quit your job. <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't don't follow my. Uh, my path uh i followed the path that i would recommend uh, anyways that's that's what i would have done if i if i could go back um talk to my younger self and i would have said do this right i would have said you know when because we were living in a basement apartment and it was fine we were comfortable because you know what? it's home right oh, yeah. it's home it, it, it and home is is you know what what you make of it right it's where you live it's where you kind of like put down your roots whatever it's not necessarily about the big, the flashy. And I think there's too much, um, you know, with, with social media and TV and all that kind of stuff, the keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Right. And, and everybody wants, 
everybody wants the big massive house with the with all the toys and the vacations and everything and they want it yesterday right and i feel like uh, we could have been where we are now like easily 10 years ago if we had have started smarter right well you're doing pretty damn good and i think we all learn from our mistakes and i think that's part of the reason we're doing the show like i've made so many mistakes when it comes to financing and things in life. I could just start a whole other podcast for that. But the reality is, is we want to share, like, how can people do things a little bit faster? I know personally, uh, there's been a lot of equity that I put in my home that wasn't an asset, right? It was something I was doing for personal enjoyment of my home. I think the smartest thing I ever did was convert my, uh, my basement into a rental. I think that was a very, very smart move. I was always uh, air on the side of caution. I always did a fixed mortgage and I always did five years. And that was a mistake that bit me in the butt. If I could go back and tell myself, and again, you can't predict the future. You don't know what the markets are going to look like, but I would have had a lot more control and freedom. And I probably would own another property if I always did a three-year variable, right? It would just give you more opportunity to kind of refinance, look at your equity, look at your situation, buy another property, um, I love what you said about the multiplex, right? And then, you know, there's that big uh, watering hole in my backyard there, that big, uh, that big pool. That was uh, something for the enjoyment of my life. But I could literally be sitting on a beautiful second investment property if I didn't do that. I don't regret it. But in terms of, uh, you know, you're looking at assets and financial freedom. So for people out there that want a pool, buy a house with a pool. Uh, easier said than done because there might be more, more, more of a bidding war on that home. But um, those are just uh, what's that? Especially these days, right? Like that's what everybody wants right now. Is there if it's got a pool, you know, you're 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 easily getting into multiples, even if it's an above ground pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I think uh, we should enter there. That was uh, another beauty. Yeah, I know it's always fun to uh, it's always fun to to chat and to, and to share. And sometimes it takes you know it takes us down these little rabbit holes. But um, yeah. yeah, I could have gone on to that uh, for a long time, a lot more. It's always I loved your idea about doing a separate podcast just about the mistakes we've made. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd I would I would definitely be your co-host on that one. That, that would be uh, X-rated for uh, for some of the stories. So we'd have to change the, uh, the you know solicitory whatever it's called on that right the rating. Yeah. I don't make it pg we're trying to keep this pg everybody yeah absolutely absolutely all right well until next time um we got to uh nail down the schedules of our guests uh that can always be a challenge here but we're gonna get some uh some good ones on here soon so uh, stay tuned and we'll see you on the next episode see everybody